What's going on, everybody? Coach Danny here, another episode of the Dynamic Dialogue podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about glute training, but specifically, we're going to look at glute training for strength development, glute training for hypertrophy, and even glute training for pain management, injury prevention, slash mitigation, slash pain point management, right? You can't always manage or prevent injuries, but we're going to take a look at why strong glutes are so important. And I'm going to share with you six of my favorite movement patterns for glute training that I think work really well, as well as some different variations of those patterns for different goals and different fitness levels. So there'll be a lot about glutes, and I think it will be a fun, exciting episode for those of you who are interested in either developing your glutes, increasing performance, or maybe you work with clients and you want to help them better manage their movement, their pain through strengthening the right parts of their bodies, etc. So sit back and enjoy today's episode before before we get into it, the reason that I am able to continue to provide a completely free podcast full of information is because of my amazing sponsors like Legion Athletics. Legion is my go-to sports performance supplement company for all things basic needs. So we're talking about creatine, fish oil, or omega-3, multivitamin, protein powder, be it whey or plant-based, as well as pre-workout options, whether those be stimulant with caffeine or stimulant-free, containing all the ingredients you want, but perhaps you also like to enjoy your coffee so you'd like your pre-workout to have less caffeine. Even supplements like Genesis, my favorite greens powder because it's loaded with reishi mushroom, and Fortify, a joint supplement with a heavy dose of high-quality curcumin-rich turmeric and undenatured type 2 collagen. So stuff that I think can really help you with minimal fluff and totally transparent labeling. If you're already taking nutritional supplements or you're spending quite a bit of time in the gym looking to improve your physique, lose body fat, or just live better, there's a place for the right supplements. No doubt about it. And I think quality trumps quantity. So I'd rather you guys take less of what we know is going to help, right? But know that you're taking the right stuff. So really isolate down to what's been clinically proven to work and shop through companies that produce products that are clinically proven to work and provide dosages and transparent labeling, which I think Legion does an amazing job of. I take the whey protein every day, the Genesis greens every day, the multivitamin every day, the omega-3 every day. And usually I'll have the pre-workout before I train, whether that be the supplemental or the uh, caffeinated version or the non-caffeinated version depends on when I'm training. And then also my go-to creatine product, Recharge. Creatine is something you know I take every single day. So if you'd like to support me, support the show and support our amazing partners, you can check out at legion.com using the promo code Danny to save 20% off your first order and earn double points. Another amazing sponsor of ours. Again, if you're listening to this now, the actual founder of this company came on the most recent episode of the podcast, and that is Rob Wolf and his phenomenal company, Elemental Labs, which create their kind of flagship product is LMNT, which is my go-to electrolyte formula. It's loaded with sodium, potassium, magnesium, no sugar added, naturally sweetened, and it comes in amazing flavors like citrus salt, raspberry salt, and mango chili. This is something that I sip on before I train in the morning. If I train fasted, I try to get electrolytes in throughout my day because the actual needs for athletes when it comes to things like sodium, potassium, and magnesium are substantially different from the needs for non-active adults. And so a lot of the recommendations around sodium are generally, you know, 
a lot of those general recommendations that are thrown around are specific to general population inactive folks, not necessarily those of us looking to get the most out of our performance and recovery. So if you want to try LMNT's amazing electrolyte product completely free, all you've got to do is cover shipping. You can go ahead and head over to drink LMNT slash coach Danny. And again, if you've heard this before, but you haven't tried it, try it. It's like five bucks for the shipping. It's totally worth it. You can try these in all eight of their amazing flavors. I guarantee you will love it. So let's talk a little bit today, guys, again, about the glutes. We're going to talk about training the glutes, as I said, for gains, performance, and pain relief, and all of the various ways that we can hit our glutes. Now, what we will not be discussing today are things like band work, uh, movements, things like machine specific movements. A lot of what we're talking about today is going to be free weight, uh, compound based movements. So there are some that just unfortunately did not make the cut today. Does that mean that they're bad? No. Does that mean they're inefficient? No. But what I am going to share with you are the six exercises that I believe, or the six movement patterns that I believe to be the most effective for what I would describe as well-rounded no pun intended, versatile glute training. These are movements that have a pretty good translation for strength development, for hypertrophy, as well as for pain management and helping people move better. So the first exercise, and this might not be much of a surprise to you, is the bridge or hip thrust. So the bridge or the hip thrust is the most challenging on the gluteus maximus muscle when it is in the shortened position, meaning when those glutes are flexed, right? So think about at the top of the hip thrust, when your glutes are fully squeezed and you're making that ugly butt, a lot of people call it the ugly butt, um, that is where we're really loading those glutes. And there are two ways to really train this bridging slash thrusting pattern. One of them is with a bridge, which is generally done through a shorter range of motion, oftentimes from the floor. We'll talk about uh, how you might decide which of these two to do in a minute. And then the other is the bridge, which is usually done with the shoulders elevated, and that will allow for greater range of motion. I'm sorry, that would be the thrust. So the thrust is going to be shoulders up, bigger drop of the hips, meaning more eccentric. Hopefully we're avoiding any lumbar spinal flexion, and the bridge is usually done from the floor with a reduced range of motion. So the simplest and the easiest way to do the bridge is on the floor with body weight. And I have found that this is a phenomenal exercise for clients with low back pain who need to strengthen the muscles surrounding their lower back. If you actually look at the anatomy of the back, you have the big sweeping downward fibers of the lats that run into this big white sheath of fascia known as the thoracolumbar fascia. And then you have your glutes. And what you have here is you have your glutes and your lats kind of meeting at the thoracolumbar fascia and creating a lot of the support and stability for the lower back. So in general, glute strength and having good tone in the glutes and having good mobility through the hips is going to be helpful for things like lower back pain. It's also very good for things like knee pain because your glutes, particularly the lateral aspects of the glutes, the two smaller muscles, muscles on the side, the gluteus medius and the gluteus minimus, do play a role in external rotation as well as abduction. So having some strength there can be valuable for the movement quality of things at the hip, specifically the downward track towards the knees. So having strong glutes is good for all of the surrounding joints, which shouldn't be much of a surprise. But to train the glutes using certain exercises, many of which we'll talk about as we go, for clients with lower back pain can be tricky. I have found that the bridge is probably
probably the best place to start. And you can start from the floor with body weight. You can progress upward to give a little bit of lift beneath the shoulders using things like a glute-specific bench, a small medicine ball, a small Swiss ball or yoga ball. There are plenty of ways that you can actually elevate the body. You can use a decline bench as well um, before you eventually get to the thrust. And the thrust is it usually done where at the top of the movement, the knees and the shoulders are at the same level. I would say on a bridge, your shoulders are going to be below knee level at the top. So when performing the glute bridge, what we're looking to do is squeeze the glutes hard, have semi-vertical shins at the top. We definitely want vertical shins if we're doing the hip thrust, which is the more advanced version. And we're looking to really challenge our glutes in the shortened position. So this is a great hypertrophy exercise as well. Although I wouldn't say it's as good as some of these guys coming up, but it's a great one. People tend to be really strong with these exercises because of the short range of motion. And because it's training hip extension, right, that has a lot of carryover to athletics. So you extend your hips in basketball, you extend your hips in football, you extend your hips in soccer, all right? Anything where you are sprinting uh, or running fast, you're going to really need to have good hip extension. And particularly if you play a contact or collision-based sports, being able to produce violent hip extension as a component of these triple extension mechanisms where you might be leaping, bounding, hitting, tackling, etc. Um, that's a weak, uh, link in the chain that you cannot afford to be linked or weak, I should say. You want it linked, rather. So the first exercise that I think should be in any program looking to develop the glutes, whether it's for strength, performance, or hypertrophy, is some form of hip extension dominant movement done as a bridge or a hip thrust. Barbell hip thrusts are great for strong lifters. Uh, barbell bridges or the CAS bridge as popularized by Chasm Hansen is a great form of the bridge, and those are my two favorite forms of the movement. So moving on to exercise number two, and this is an exercise that I think in general is really, really good. And it can be really, really effective for training the glutes, but it's not necessarily the most effective. And that is actually the squat or a knee and hip flexion based pattern with an axial load or a load that is kind of upward uh, on the spine oftentimes. But really what we're looking to do is have knee flexion and then we're looking to drive upward. So I think a goblet squat could count in this category. Um, i wouldn't count a hack squat. Not that it's not a squat. It's totally a squat, but we're really eliminating the need for the glutes on the hack squat, really biasing things like the quads. Um, but things like goblet squats, barbell squats, front squats, Smith machine squats, and even certain leg presses could fall into this category of knee dominant exercises where we're getting quite a bit of range of motion. The deeper you get into that squat, right, the more stress you're going to place on the glutes that generally work quite hard to get you out of the hole or the bottom position. And the reason I love squatting is because it has amazing carryover for sports performance. There's a reason that almost all athletes do a pretty decent amount of squatting or squatting-like movements. So these have a lot of carryover to our regular life, right? And I'm not saying that you have to squat with a barbell, but it's probably a good idea over time to train your body to be comfortable throughout that squat position, whether it's at that half squat position, like when you're sitting in a chair, in that full squat position, like if you were kind of sitting all the way down, being able to keep your chest somewhat tall, being able to keep your back somewhat neutral or flat, right? Having control, having good capability of the tissues of the knee, just making sure that you're reinforcing your body's ability to squat is probably one of the best things that you can do to maintain mobility and independence as you age, right? You want to be comfortable getting in and out of chairs and out of bed, etc. And so for many people, losing the ability to squat fully um, 
happens with age and just general lack of training of the tissues. Now, the mythology of the baby that can sit all the way down uh, into its squat, you know, and, and, oh, look at this, we lose this in American culture because we eat on tables instead of eating on the floor, like, you know, is so common in, in Japanese culture. And look at what babies can do and look at how we lose that. Part of why babies can squat so low is because they have these massive heads and that they just act as this incredible counterbalance. Um, but in truth, squatting is a very effective movement for developing strength, for developing the quads, for developing the uh, uh, back extensors, particularly things like front squats too can be good for that. But we're going to get some glute and it is a pattern that I absolutely love and I think needs to be incorporated into your movement practice, particularly if you're focusing on resistance training. And while I do like the barbell squat, if I'm being entirely honest, for most people, for the general population client who's simply looking to train the pattern, I do think that a goblet squat or even a well-designed leg press can be a pretty damn good alternative if you don't feel comfortable under the bar. Now, what if you deal with the knee pain that a lot of people deal with when it comes to things like squatting? This tends to be pretty common. This isn't specific advice, but I would say that generally speaking, I have found clients who work to strengthen the posterior chain more, meaning the hamstrings and the glutes, can reduce some of the tenderness around the knee joint when squatting, and even starting with some posterior chain work can be valuable. And then just squatting through the range of motion that does not elicit pain at the knee joint. So if that's a quarter squat or a half squat, that's certainly better in my opinion than no squat at all. And even for athletics, we see that reduced ranges of motion can still help develop strength and power uh, metrics. So you don't have to squat like a bodybuilder or Olympic weightlifter to make squatting productive for your strength gains. And if you are dealing with knee pain, you can always try to scale that range of motion. Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick second to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And if you're finding value, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media. Simply screenshot whatever platform you're listening to and share the episode to your Instagram story or share it to Facebook. But be sure to tag me so I can say thanks and we can chat it up about what you liked and how I can continue to improve. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast and enjoy the rest of the episode. So let's move on to movement pattern or exercise number three, and this is the Romanian deadlift or what I would like to describe today as the pure hinge. The barbell deadlift does have a little more knee flexion in it, and it's still an amazing compound movement, and the hex bar deadlift, while slightly more biased to the quads for most individuals, again, also a great movement. Neither of those are a pure hip hinge. A hip hinge basically in its purest form would happen if the knees were totally extended, totally locked, and you were just pivoting at the hip. Like you were literally just hinging as much as you could, letting the heads of the femurs hold still while that pelvis rotates around them and you're kind of opening and closing like the hinge on a door. Now, loading that up is probably impractical for most people, right? Because there tends to be some compensatory stuff that happens with the lower back. But as a general rule of thumb, I think that the Romanian deadlift is an amazing exercise. Now, here are some of the forms of this that I really like. I love it with a barbell. I really like it with a dumbbell. I even like it with bands, um, meaning bands around the waist that will help you cue additional hip extension at the top. Because um, again, this is a hip extension movement like the, the uh, hip thrust in some ways, right? Because when you hinge, you go into maximum hip flexion. You bend over, you flex at the hips. Your, your belly button actually gets closer to like your quads. 
And then when you extend the hips and you pull out of that position, or I should say push, and your hips start coming forward and your belly button lifts away from your quads, you're really recruiting the glutes quite a bit. So this one, unlike the hip thrust where we challenge the glutes in the shortened position, this one is really challenging on the glutes in the lengthened position. But let me be honest with you. It's probably not the best exercise for a lot of clientele because it's got a steep learning curve. And I have a lot of clients that I've worked with over the years that struggle with picking up this movement. It's challenging to teach people how to hinge while maintaining a flat back. So um, it's a little bit more difficult to teach, in my opinion, than the first two. Now, what about the common pain points? We talked about the hip thrust being really, really good and the bridge being really, really good for most people, particularly people with back and knee pain. And the squat, it tends to be okay, but it can be challenging for people with back pain and really challenging for people with knee pain. I have found that the RDL is basically the opposite of the squat in that it's pretty much negligible uh, in how it affects knee pain. It's almost not going to affect the knees at all because they stay in a fixed position, but it can be very challenging for people who struggle with back pain. And that might be dependent on what the actual root cause of that back pain is. And so you might need to scale this in the same way that you scale a squat and that you don't hinge as low. There's something called the lumbo-pelvic rhythm, which basically means how much uh, pelvis movement can we get before we start to see compensatory movement at the lumbar spine. And I do think that there are some discrepancies person to person, largely driven by the laxity of the hamstrings. So meaning if your hamstrings are really flexible, you can probably get an amazing hip hinge with a totally flat back. If your hamstrings are really, really tight, again, a lot of this is genetic or just completely person to person, it might be hard to get as low without having a compensatory flexion occurrence at the low back, meaning without having the lower back actually start to flex as a means of lowering the bar or the dumbbells where you ultimately want them to be. Because a lot of times when we're lifting, we're thinking about landmarks. Like I want the bar to go from here to here. But for people with really good hamstring mobility, um, they might be able to move the bar from point A to point B with absolutely zero compensation at the low back. And for others, that might be harder. But this is a phenomenal exercise. I think it has wonderful carryover to sport. Again, a big hip extension movement. It's going to also co-develop the hamstrings, which is so, so cool. That is a really important muscle. And the hamstrings, unlike the gluteus maximus, which is Really, it does have alternative functions, but its primary function is hip extension. The hamstrings really do two things, like really, really well. They're good hip extensors, and they're great knee flexors. The RDL does not train them as knee flexors, but the lying hamstring curl does. And so developing the hamstrings is probably a good move for anybody who is training or looking to develop their body and their physique. It's a great movement for developing two muscles at once, both the glutes and the hamstrings. It's great for sports performance. And I think it's also really, really good for reinforcing posterior chain strength and getting those posterior chain muscles to really work in concert because you have to keep the lats engaged. You have to be mindful of what's occurring at the the low back and you really have to use the lats or I'm sorry, the glutes and the hamstrings. So moving away here from the bilateral work, which of course would be exercises that usually occur two sides at a time, both sides working together, the bridge, the squat and the RDL, all of which are usually done on two legs. We're going to talk about two movements here, exercises four and five on the list, the split squat first, and then the reverse lunge. And 
I want to highlight the benefits of unilateral training um, in that it can help with stability. It can help if you have what you perceive to be muscular imbalances or just general asymmetries in strength. But I'd like to, to first point out that the bridge in the thrust exercise number one can be done unilaterally, whether that be with a B stance or a single leg. The squat can be done as a single leg option as well, really just by swapping it for the two exercises or exercise variants we're about to talk about. And the hip hinge can be done unilaterally as well using things like a kickstand RDL or a B stance RDL. So there's lots of options there too. So don't just think, okay, these are my only options for unilateral leg work. That's far from true. But these are the two that I like the best. The first is the split squat, particularly the rear foot elevated or Bulgarian split squat. I like this one for developing the glutes for a variety of reasons, uh, but I do understand that it is quite hard. It's probably hardest for the population that struggles with stability or knee pain. But if you let the torso fall forward a little bit and you lean into it a little bit more, you can get quite a bit of hip flexion and extension and really, really challenge your glutes with this exercise. I do find that it has a lot of quad development benefits too, which I think is really cool. Because if you look at the RDL, that one might be a little bit better at developing the hamstrings and the split squat might be a little bit better at developing the quads. So if you were to just pick two exercises, one bilateral, one unilateral, those two combined could pretty much hit your entire body and have some good, or your entire lower body, and have some good carryover uh, to things like sports performance. What I like about the split squat is you can adjust it and scale it to somebody's fitness level by giving them external things to stabilize with, with like a pole. Um, you can make it more advanced by elevating the front foot so you get increased range of motion. You can bias the glutes by leaning forward a little bit. You can bias the quads by sitting a little more upright. You can load it bilaterally with a dumbbell on each side. You can load it ipsilaterally with a dumbbell maybe only on one side. There's lots of things you can do to really challenge the body using split squats or rear foot elevated split squats. And I think that they are quite tough. And that's a reason that many people stay away from them. But I'll give you a little anecdote about this that I thought was kind of interesting. So I took about five months off of barbell squatting. And I had at that point been regularly repping uh, between 275 and 315 for a number of reps through a really good range of motion. And I just kind of got bored of squatting and switched to almost exclusively split squatting for about four months. Um, after that four month training block, or it wasn't a training block after four months of consecutive training blocks, all of which included the split squat, I decided to cycle the barbell squat back through. And I was able to hit all of those same metrics with literally no drop off next to no drop off. I just didn't feel quite as comfortable with a bar on my back. So this one has a lot of carryover to some of the other big lifts. And I think it makes for great accessory option for power sport athletes. The one thing that I do not like about the Bulgarian split squat is it is very fatiguing and quite challenging. And while it can be done for relatively low reps, unlike the bridge, the squat, the RDL, it's probably not an exercise I would choose to build maximal strength because of that component of instability. I think I might rather in this case use a pure split squat where both feet are on the ground and there's no rear foot elevation. So let's move on to exercise number five, and that is the walking lunge. And I believe that walking lunges are one of the most advanced lower body exercises. So for people who struggle with balance, stability, or knee pain, maybe even hip pain, particularly closing angle hip pain, as you know, the torso gets closer to the leg, 
this might not be the best option for you. Um, you could swap it for something like a reverse lunge. That tends to be much more friendly on the knees. So, so do keep that in mind as we progress here. What I like about the walking lunge is I think it also doubles as an excellent mobility exercise. So every stride you take as you lunge, the knee travels over the toes, which is totally fine if you have good knees that function well. And if you don't, you might have to make adjustments. Um, you get great mobility at the ankle. You get great mobility at the hip. So you're really testing all three of those joints, the three that are involved in triple extension. Um, you can bias the glutes, just like I said for the split squat with a little bit more of a forward lean. You can really hit them hard in the lengthened position. Something I like to do with walking lunges is to do them body weight or with a vest for distance and almost use them as a conditioning exercise the same way that I might condition my posterior rear chain with something like kettlebell swings um, that are great for the glutes and they're great for the hamstrings. So you can actually toss that into that RDL category. Um, but if I grab a kettlebell and I swing it for a minute, I'll be taxed aerobically. I'll be taxed anaerobically and I'll get a great pump in my glutes and hamstrings. But if I put a vest on and I lunge for a minute continuously, I'll get a lot of those same effects on the quads and the glutes. So this is one I really, really love. You can do it heavy. You can load it up with a barbell on the back with dumbbells, with kettlebells in hand, or you can throw a vest on and do it for distance, which I really, really like. Um, like I said, it's probably the most challenging for people with knee pain specifically, but I do think it has quite a bit of carryover for hypertrophy and mobility. It might not be the best for things like sports performance. Okay, and here we go, guys. Getting to that final exercise, it is the 45-degree hip extension or the glute-focused low back extension. And now, this is another one that, like the RDL, challenges those glutes in the lengthened position. And so when you do this exercise, you do it just like you would a normal back extension. But instead of trying to extend through the lumbar spine, we actually prevent that by flexing the abs, flattening the lumbar spine, rounding the thoracic spine, the mid-back, and really jamming and pushing with our hips so as to lift our body up like a crane using the glutes and the hamstrings. This one's kind of unique because I like that you don't necessarily need to use any weight for it to be sufficiently challenging, but you can load it pretty darn well using things like dumbbells or bands and not even have to put anything on your back, which is not something that we can really say of the RDL or the squat or even some of these lunge variants uh, in some ways. What I love about the band version here is that you can usually get that resistance accommodation to be quite nice and that um, you're in the lengthened position where it's hardest, but as you come up and the glutes go into that shortened and contracted position, the band picks up more tension. So they kind of complement each other and it really evens out that resistance profile, um, which is cool. I, I kind of like that. Another thing that I like about this exercise is it doesn't bother people with knee pain much at all. Um, and it's really good for people who are coming out of back pain or looking to become a little bit more confident with their back pain to be able to keep that lumbar spine pretty neutral and, and work on that hip extension component. Um, I think it really reinforces a lot of the right stuff from a mentality standpoint around the resilience of the back. So great for the hamstrings, great for the glutes, pretty gentle, tends to be one that I prefer to do at higher reps. But if you do all of these exercises, I think you're going to have phenomenal glute progress. And the these are some of the exercises that I'm looking to really highlight and include and in what I am creating when it comes to my newest app-based programming venture, which is going to be done with our partners over at Train Heroic, who I think have the best technology in app-based training programs. So this app will be launching in early April with two teams, one of which is Home Heroes, which is going to have a very physique-focused 
program lots of glute work, lots of the exercise variations we talked about today, but you'll be able to do it at home and with bands. And the other team is Elite Physique, which is a progression of the female physique programs I've had on the website for a long time. But this one will be a consistently cycled program that never stops. It's always updating. And you'll be able to do it with your community of other team members. You'll also be able to interact directly with me and my core coaching method coaching team, which is pretty awesome. It's somewhere in between the standalone PDF programs and our full spectrum online coaching offering. But the nice part is you'll be able to track your progress, see how you're progressing, You'll be able to collaborate with your fellow team members on the message boards, gauge your progress against each other in a non-competitive way, but in a way that encourages getting the most out of your training. And it will feature many of these exercises across the various training blocks. And I'll be able to bring this to you guys for less than 40 bucks a month, which I think is the best value around in terms of high quality programming. So if you're already going to the gym and you're looking to get the most out of your training, consider going over to corecoachingmethod.com and applying for online coaching, downloading a PDF, or patiently waiting till April for the release of these apps. So guys, just to circle the wagons, we're looking at bridges and hip thrusts, squats or knee flexion-based exercises, hinges like the Romanian deadlift, split squats, walking lunges, and 45-degree hip extension as my six favorite exercises for developing the glutes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you found this valuable, let me know by leaving me a five-star rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.